Welcome to episode 194 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about prayer. Let's dive in. Over the next several weeks, I want to walk through like a mini-series on the topic of prayer. I know a lot of us esteem prayer, a lot of us pray, and yet what does it mean to actually press in into the greater realities of intimacy, relationship, communion, and communication with the living God? And so I just thought it'd be fun over these next couple of weeks to talk about the reality of prayer in the Christian life. And not just what it is, but give some practicals of how all of us can press in and be better prayers. Well, to get us going on the topic, I thought it'd be really helpful to listen to one of my favorite people talk about prayer. Many of you know Leonard Ravenhill, but Ravenhill was this British evangelist who died back in the mid-90s. And he had just this powerful enunciation of truth. I love his alliterations. I love the way he phrases things, but mostly I love his passion for Jesus and for prayer. It was Leonard Ravenhill who often said that no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. And when you think that through, it is such a stirring and yet convicting reality that it doesn't matter how much we do and it doesn't matter what we've produced and it doesn't matter how great The world may think we are if we're not men and women who pray. Well, Leonard Rivenhill was one of those guys who spent countless hours in prayer, and it showed not only in his preaching, but those who actually got to spend time praying with him during his prayer nights, they all just, (laughs) the the several testimonies I heard from from people who got to spend time praying with Rivenhill with, oh, I I, I I I wish I was around to have done that. I was born, but I was very young, (laughs) and I didn't know Leonard Ravenhill. I wish I did. Oh, I love this man. But those who went to the prayer meetings often said that there was such a a, a prevail, there was such a earnestness, there was such a fire in his praying. One one testimony I read recently said that that the prayer meetings that Ravenhill would kind of oversee on typically Friday nights, that he would get down on his knees and he would pray with such fervor that they were concerned that the carpet under his knees was going to start on fire. And of course, that was attributed to the fact that he spent not just the time in public prayer, but he spent countless hours in private prayer. Well, just to kind of get us going and just set our minds on this idea of, all right, I, I know I need to pray. What does it mean to go to another level in this journey on prayer? I wanted to listen to this clip by Leonard Ravenhill that I came across. And the reason I really like this clip is because he's not talking about, okay, how do we pray? But the prayer is, Lord, teach me to pray. And it's an interesting distinction that he he says at the very beginning of 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 the clip. But he says, it's not, Lord, teach me what to pray. It's, Lord, teach me to pray. And it's interesting if Leonard Ravenhill, after decades, was making the declaration, Lord, teach me to pray. I think all of us can be praying that specific prayer. So I want to play this clip that was recorded several decades ago on this idea of, Lord, teach us to pray. 
by my good friend, Leonard Ravenhill. If there's any prayer that needs to be prayed in the Church of God today, as far as I'm concerned, it is, Lord, teach us to pray. Not, not teach us to want to pray. Teach us to pray. Te- teach us what it is. Teach us not a vocabulary, the disposition. Prayer is not an attitude. Not a latitude, an attitude. Prayer is not a position whether you kneel or face the east. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. That's why the Apostle Paul says that it is possible to get to that place where you pray without ceasing, where every moment of your life you're in an attitude of relationship to him, not for something you want, but that somehow God might come again and breathe. You see, the answer to America tonight is not in the White House, forget it. The answer to America is in God's house. There was another man by the name of Payson. I like to alliterate that and say he was praying Payson of Portland. He was a man who, when they prepared him for his casket, they discovered he had some hoofs on his knees. Tradition says that James, the apostle, had calluses on his knees with prayer. Payson had the same thing. In fact, before luxury came and we got so soft, he... he, slept in a bedroom that had no covering on the floor. It had a hard floor like this. And on the side of his bed they found two grooves. Two places that were worn six or seven inches long and deep and uh, they wondered why they were on the side of his bed. And then somebody said this was the place where he always prayed. And actually he had ploughed two grooves in the floor of his bedroom in his intercession. He was a little Scotsman. He lived a few miles north of Chicago on the border of the lake. And I got to see him for about ten minutes. He began to thank me for the books I'd written, particularly on prayer. And uh, I, I hushed him and said, no, the honor is, is the other way. I'm honored to see you. Well, they carried him out of his little house on the 9th of February this year. And would you believe it? It was the first time he'd been out of the house in twelve and a half years. Never been out of the door of his own house in twelve and a half years. Never been to bed one night for thirty years. This isn't back in Finney's day or in the days of the when they were breaking the frontier here. This this is in our day, in your day, in my day. Just a few months ago. Of course they didn't put his picture on the front of Time magazine. If they did, I'd have objected to it anyhow. But this little man learned the art of intercession. He prayed every night from ten at night until five or six in the morning whenever the burden lifted. Now somebody will ask me the question, did he sleep? Well, what do you think he was? Of course he slept. But he learned to do what the hymn writer says in that hymn, work for the night is coming, give every flying minute something to keep in store. He pushed the day around. In case you don't know, there are 24 hours in it. They're divided into three eights normally. You work eight, you sleep eight. What do you do with the other eight? On the same basis, you live 60 years, you work 20, you sleep 20, and what do you do with the other 20? One of the hymn writers says, I often say my prayers, but do I ever pray? 
Like the little boy went to church with his daddy, his daddy bowed his head, did this, and the little fellow said, what did you, what did you say? He said, shut up. <laughs> because he couldn't remember, never mind the Lord. Therefore pray. Always pray. I've said this often and it's got me into trouble, but I'm still going to say it anyhow. I'm quite sure of this, that no man... I don't care how large his church, I don't care how many books he's written, how far he's traveled. I do not believe that any man or woman is greater than their prayer life. If you learn this lesson while you're young, you younger folk, you know, nobody can impress God. Ever thought about that? The Spirit of God descended on a bunch of people at Hernhut in Germany. Do you know... That, in one sense, is, 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 is a more wonderful miracle than Pentecost in this sense. That, do you know how long that prayer meeting lasted? It started at precisely 11 o'clock that Wednesday morning on the 13th of August, 1727. And do you know what? It lasted 100 years without stopping. That prayer room was never empty for 100 years. Little boys and girls, seven and eight years of age, would groan and travel in birth to revival. <laughs> don't go out and say like people say, well, I've made up my mind I'm going to pray four hours a day after this. Why don't you make your mind up you're running the Olympics tomorrow? You have as much chance. You don't change overnight. We approximate to it. We, we, we get our muscles stronger and stronger in the place of prayer. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. I don't think I ever go to a prayer meeting where I pray one simple prayer amongst others. And that is, Lord, teach us to pray. After hearing that, can I just encourage you with something very practical? Would you be willing to pray that prayer, Lord, teach me to pray? The best way to learn prayer is in the prayer closet. The best way to learn what does it mean to be an intercessor and to to travail in prayer is to actually be praying. So would you be bold and audacious enough to come humbly before the Lord and say, Lord, would you teach me to pray? And again, we're not saying that you're not praying, but I know that all of us can go to another level in prayer. All of us can go to a greater intensity. All of us can spend more time. All of us can have greater richness and intimacy with a living God through prayer. So like Ravenhill said, let us take up this prayer that says, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, again, over these next several weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. And I would encourage you not just to esteem prayer or to value prayer or to think highly of prayer but to actually pray. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 194 for episode 194. 
And until next week, when we dive more into this topic of prayer, know that I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.